Trek Companion. This is episode 236. This is our holiday 2019 episode where we're going to do something a little different than usual. I'm your host, Brian Williams, and I'm joined, as always, by Adam Caesar. How's it going, guys? Uh, Steve cannot be with us today. He's got some family Christmassy stuff going on. But we have two excellent guests that you may recall from previous uh, episodes. First up, we have Dom, Dominic Nardi. Hello, may the force be with you. And Brian McCaughey. I have spoken. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. So today, yes, it's going to be a totally spoiler-filled discussion of Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. Is Episode Nine officially a part of the title? I'm guessing it is not. It's probably officially just Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, right? Probably. There hasn't been an episode in the title since uh, Phantom Menace, I think. But Phantom Menace did. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, all right. So, yes, we are going to be just going to town on all the spoilers and stuff. So the movie's only been out for a couple of days. If you haven't seen it, then definitely uh, stop this podcast and come back to us when you have. Before we really get started, my son, this folks, this is how long we've been doing this podcast. When we started the podcast, he was in the womb. And now, for the first time, he would like to speak on the podcast. Uh, He is going to uh, offer us his thoughts on the movie. Hi, Brian, Dom, and Adam. Hello. I thought the movie was really great. My favorite part was when, like, Ray just had her lightsaber and took down Kylo Ren's, um, his TIE fighter, with just one lightsaber. And it was super cool when she did that. And I also liked the battle on the Death Star. I really liked that part. The lightsaber battles. Yeah, I liked that part. They were, like, battling. And I liked how much waves there were. And I liked it that it was, like, a dark place. I really liked the lightsaber battles. And I like... I like I like the actor Kylo Ren and I really liked I liked how he changed in the end and I liked all the part where like I saw all of those cool um ships like spaceships that were made by the Sith Lord and there was like thousands of them I liked what the Sith Lord's base looked like and I just really like Kylo Ren in the movie. He's really great. And that he sacrificed his life for Rey. Because he knew so much of the dark side. This movie is now my new favorite. Yeah, of all the Star Wars movie. Bye! Uh, So that was my son, Maximus. And uh, like I said, that shows how long we've been doing this podcast. He went from um, in the womb to eight. And now he's... Uh, joining us. So, first of all, how many times have you guys seen the movie? I've seen it twice now. Brian, I know you were going to see it a second time. I've seen it twice. Dom, Adam, how many times have you guys seen it? Um, I've only seen it once, but I'll be seeing it again here in the next couple days. Same here. I've only seen it once. Planning on seeing it again this this Friday. Cool. Okay. Well, let's just uh, let's just do like very kind of first impressions. Now, Brian and I saw it together for our first time. <laughs> My first impression was um, that it. <laughs> My two-word review of the movie was good enough. <laughs> that was my that's my very brief first impression. Uh, Adam, what about you? Um, yeah, I pretty much feel the same way. I, I mean, my my description of it would have been satisfying. I was satisfied. I wasn't um, blown away, but um, considering what they did in the first two movies, I this is probably the only way they could have gone. So, like I said, I, I felt satisfied with what they did in this movie. And Brian. I would say that I did not enjoy The Last Jedi, uh, but when I see this movie, I really, really like The Last Jedi, and it makes me sort of appreciate the film and the filmmaker and the writer. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Dom? Yeah, unfortunately, I, my feelings coming out of the movie was great. Some some wonderful moments, really messy, really... I was disappointed. It's not a horrible movie, but... I was a bit disappointed. Yeah, so I think that it made me like like Brian, you know, in a weird way, it made me appreciate the Last Jedi more. It really made clear what a singular, uninhibited vision of Star Wars in the modern era can be. When I saw Last Jedi, 
it'd be interesting to go back and listen to what we said right after seeing it, but I've obviously watched it quite a few times since then. And kind of what's my, what I've settled on, the, the feelings I get when I watch it is that it's a very, very good movie, just not what I wanted out of the Star Wars movie at the time. But now that I've seen Rise of Skywalker, which almost feels like it goes the other direction as far as, like, J.J. had a list of all the things that needed to be accomplished. And this movie serves all those purposes very well. But it ends up feeling like it's just checking off a bunch of marks and there wasn't any time time left to make a unique movie. So it's odd in that it feels like it feels satisfying, but shallow. Another thought I had today, like the Brett Ratner X-Men movie, X-Men 3. (laughs) that sounds like a really big insult to compare rise of skywalker to x-men 3 doesn't it uh but x-men 3 was so on its own bad it was a bad movie but in context of the other two of the two uh brian singer x-men movies it was solid like it was a it was a satisfying conclusion and i think that that's kind of what i mean rise of skywalker is a better movie than x-men 3 jj abrams couldn't make a, a movie that crappy, but I don't know. Well, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about um, George Lucas's um, last trilogy that he did, you know, Phantom Menace through um, Revenge of the Sith. And, um, you know, the problems that I had with those movies, um, it was, it wasn't the story, the story arc, like those, those movies seemed to have like a focus and something that they were, they were trying to tell. The problem with those movies is the, you know, the dialogue writing was not good and um, the chemistry amongst the actors was not good. Now, I kind of feel the exact opposite of this last trilogy, where I really enjoyed the cast, I enjoyed the chemistry, but these movies just never really seemed to have a focus on what they were trying to do or what they were trying to say. Um, and that's kind of what I, it's kind of what I've taken from this last trilogy. Well, it's the difference between starting a trilogy, knowing the entire story. You know, he, he did that with A New Hope through Return of the Jedi, pretty much. And he definitely did that with... You know, George definitely did that with the prequels. But here, I believe J.J. in the interviews after Force Awakens when he said nothing else was planned out. <laughs> I believe that. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's very apparent that they didn't have a, a focus or like a, what they wanted to do or what they wanted to try and say and do. And so and then and like what you were mentioning before, Brian, you know, then so JJ gets to this last movie and he just has to mark, you know, he has to hit the checkbox because it's like, okay, we've, we've kind of made two movies that are not really related to each other, but are, and now we got to kind of culminate it all together in this last movie. And there's, he, you know, he just checks, checks the boxes all the way down. But like I said, um, I, my positives for this last trilogy are, you know, like I said, the cast, they, they felt they gelled. There was like a chemistry between them and there was an emotional connection with the characters in these last three films. And I didn't feel in the in, um, George Lucas's prequel. My eight-year-old son, I don't think I've ever heard him in my life comment on an, like an actor or an actress. And he just did that. You know, he said, I like the actor that played Kylo Ren. And I liked something he said something about. I like, you know, the way he was with Ray, you know. So that's that's certainly it's it's filtering all the way the way through to an eight year old. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about those characters for a minute because yeah, I think that you know I have definitely have some issues with some of the minor characters, but I think that uh, the way Ray and Kylo Ren or Ben uh, come off, you know, it really was th- this this trilogy really ends up feeling like. It's about those two. And if you had any doubts about that by the end of Rise of Skywalker, that's 100% what it is, right? But they are really good. The, they're, they're, yeah. Daisy and Adam's performances are excellent. Yeah. And this is my favorite version of Ray. I mean, I, 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 we, can, we can discuss the, some of the story choices um, later on and whether they made sense. But in terms of the character, what we got on screen, um, you know, one of my one of my issues at the Force Awakens was that, like, Ray just kind of seemed to breeze through it very easily, and you know, I, I I really liked how in Rise of Skywalker, she really seemed challenged and struggling, and also her her powers because she is a she is a prodigy in the Force. I mean, that's 
you know, she is very powerful with the Force, but Rise of Skywalker made that a problem for her. And like, I love, my, my, my favorite scene in the movie is when she thinks she kills Chewbacca using Force lightning. Not because I want to see Chewie dead, but just because, hey, it's a shock. And one of, it's one of the few times during the movie I really felt surprised by something. But B, it's just, that's, yeah. It's just it's a it's a it's a challenge for her. It's something that and it's a it's a type of challenge we haven't seen that often, to my knowledge, in one of the Star Wars movies. Um, you know, a character one of the one of the heroes, one of the good guys, thinking that they killed one of the other heroes, or you know, or somebody as lovable as Chewbacca. So it's just is I kind of wish, I kind of wish they had stuck with it instead of hitting the reset button. Uh, but it just, just Ray had a lot of moments like that where she, you know, her power is coming to the front and she just was like, had a very intense relationship with it. When you say, do you mean Chewie, like she had killed Chewie? Yeah, she, well, she thought she had killed Chewie right. and, you know, like, that's just, that's, like, that's just an incredibly difficult thing to have to live with yeah i think that could have been better it's, it's not like chewy had anything to do after they brought him back right right and maybe like well they had well, they had to make up for force awakens when he was um when he wasn't upset about han dying they had to make yeah. sure that he got upset when leia died walked right back right by leia yeah, yeah. if you're gonna kill off if you're gonna even fake chewy's death it might be better to save his return until like maybe the middle part of the sure. third act or something. So it comes back and it means something. Yeah. He just, he just sort of popped back in and he almost gets revealed twice. Cause you see him, I think by you see him first and Oh, Chewie's alive. And then you see Ray understand that Chewie's alive. So you, she's telegraph, you're telegraphing something. The audience already, you're giving the character information. The audience already knows. So it's kind of a weird situation where it's the, you lose a little bit of the, uh, the, the dramatic value by the fact that the audience is already aware of it. You know, so. Well, the, the one thing that I kind of noticed is um, in this movie with Ray, I mean, they really kind of dealt with her rage and her anger about her, yes. you know, her childhood. And, you know, and that that's kind of that bubbled out in her. And that's where that, you know, she was losing control of the force. So they really honed in on that rage that was internally inside of her. Um, and, you know, and it, it, it kind of for me as the audience, it kind of which way are they going to go with her? Because, you know, as, as you know, we've all seen Star Wars, we know that rage and anger leads to the dark side. So that was a, that was an interesting that they they finally went to that because, you know, obviously her upbringing, she has a right to be upset and angry and mad at the world for being, you know, stranded as a child on a desert planet. I got I to gotta be honest with you. I didn't see any of the rage or anger of Rey in, in this movie or any of the movies. I mean, I saw her start to get upset when Kylo Ren was trying. Kylo Ren is trying to contact her. And that's when she starts to lose her cool during the training on the forest planet. Uh, and uh, and then when you get to the Emperor and he goes, all your anger, all your rage. I'm going, who who is he talking to? Because I'm not familiar with Rey being a character who's full of anger and rage. She's pretty... She's pretty centered, you know. I, I I don't see her as a person that that could turn to the dark side. When you saw Luke like getting angry and the, he was reaching for the lightsaber, I felt that a lot more. But I honestly don't see Ray as a character that I, that has a lot of. Oh, to be thoughts. clear, I don't think that it was done nearly as well as the original trilogy did with Luke. And and I so I guess maybe it, so. But I, I think there were some signs in Force Awakens, at least when I saw it, that maybe there's a bit more anger to the character especially when she's fighting kylo ren at the end her lightsaber technique is very aggressive and if you notice like in in the force awakens battle at the end she she has a she stabs with the lightsaber which is actually very palpatine yeah it's, it's a move that palpatine uses in the prequels well i i think you can you can bring that up i think you can bring up the moment in last jedi when luke's giving her a lesson and she seems to go to the dark side rather quickly but I think this is um, Monday morning quarterbacking. Isn't that the football term? Because I really do not think when Force Awakens or Last Jedi were made, anybody on JJ or anybody else was thinking, oh, yeah, she's Palpatine's granddaughter. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah. Absolutely. And so let's talk about that for a second. Does it, Did that feel... F- I don't know. It felt a little bit forced. It felt just, just opening... I mean, hey... I was as excited about it as everybody else when McDermott came out on stage at 
celebration and uh said you know roll it again i was like, <laughs> believe me i was very excited especially you know obviously he was in the original movies or at least jedi depending if you count special edition stuff but he's he's a guy that was really featured in the prequels and i am an unabashed lover of the prequels so i was very excited about that and i think that it pulls off his return well enough i loved the second time i saw it i really honed in on that in the beginning when we we're first introducing him they pulled that line out from was it revenge of the sith yeah revenge yeah revenge of the sith uh the the dark side Dark, dark side of the force unnatural. leads to pathways some to consider to be unnatural and that yeah. whole bit is about being able to cheat death right yes so it's it's a nice throwing that line in there for people that are star wars fans are like ah see he cheated death or whatever he was he he learned that darth plague stuff too and if you weren't familiar with it it's who cares but coming from jj it was a, it was a pleasant surprise because i think we all pretty much assume J.J. hates the prequels, right? Well, also, I noticed she kills him the same way that Mace was killing him. Forcing his Sithy, electric-y bolt stuff back at him or whatever? Right, right, yeah. yeah. Emperor Palpatine doesn't know when to turn off the Force lightning. He doesn't have the common sense to be like, oh, it's, it's arcing back at me, I'll just stop. I saw, I saw somebody else point out, if his whole plan really was to get her to come there to kill him, all he had to do was shut his mouth and she would have done it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Because it's not until he tells her that that's what his plan is that she realizes, oh, I better not kill him. Because yeah. she came there to kill him. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the James Bond villain giving away his plan. Mm-hmm. But did he really want her to kill him? Because he, he's even taunting Luke to kill him. But he doesn't really want Luke to kill him. He wants Luke to just get angry enough to turn, right? And isn't that what he wants with her? Well, in the he end? hasn't. He he's not. Her. He's in some weird half alive state or something you know he's not even able to just walk around mm-hmm. so that that's his plan mm-hmm. to be able to like somehow inhabit her or something or so, all... yeah, in rise of skywalker like he, spe- cool he specifically says that he wants her to kill him and then that then he will possess her body so it's a, it until, seems a bit different from return of the jedi yeah until he realizes that this this new this new thing this dyad or whatever yeah. between her and kylo and he can take some life energy and revitalize himself by the way well, I don't know if spoilers for the Mandalorian are fair, so I won't go into detail, but I remember they they had announced they had pulled back that one episode instead of releasing it on Friday, you're going to release it on the Wednesday the day before Skywalker yeah. came out. And I watched the episode and I thought, okay, there's nothing in this that has to do with Rise of Skywalker. Until I saw Rise of Skywalker, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. So that whole that concept of... Um, you know, healing somebody in some way with the, the force. force or something. We hadn't really seen that before. And uh, so I guess the, the extreme version of that was what uh, Sidious was able to do with um, the dyad thing. They keep upping the Antion Force power so much that I think three or four movies in, one of the Jedi is going to be able to fly around a planet, <laughs> change it, make it spin backwards, <laughs> and, 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 and change time. Yeah. Real quick, guys, I, I, have, I have a quick question because this kind of bugs me. I kind of feel like the title, The Last the Last Jedi, should have been the title of this movie and The Rise of Skywalker should have been the title of the second movie. It just seems weird. That's a really good point, yeah. They they didn't plan it out. We know yeah, that's that, true. Unfortunately. <laughs> Maybe the special editions, they'll switch the titles. Yeah. Well, I think there's a bunch of refrigerator magnets over at Lucasfilm, and, they're, and they've got, like, they pull, like we've used Force... We've used Jedi twice now. We've used Sith. We've used Empire. We haven't used Rebellion. Uh, what do we got? Uh, Skywalker. Okay, well, put Skywalker in the title. It'll be you know, literally. There's, there's, they've kind of run the gamut of of things they can use. I think. So. Uh, Brian, I want to ask you because I know I feel like after each movie, one comment you've kind of gone back to is is talking about how you just don't seem to really care about these characters. The main characters we're talking about: Poe Dameron, mm-hmm. Finn. Ray, mm-hmm. even Kylo, I guess I'm not sure, but does this did this movie change any of that for you? Do you because it seems like to me if you don't care for these characters, it's still going to feel shallow. It just it just it just reinforced how much I like. It reinforced how much I like the character I do like, and it seems like Ray gets all of the great writing. She gets all of the character arcs. Sure, character changes from one from film one to film three. Uh, and uh, and Finn and Poe, I don't see any character development at all. Uh, uh, Finn completely, you know, 
he's he great he was a stormtrooper who uh is altruistic and he becomes good and that's pretty much all he is throughout the whole thing and poe dameron i really you know i mean i guess if you look close you could go well he couldn't follow orders from princess leia and then he became a general and stuff too but i just i don't get along with him. i think that my, my the thing i would thank jj abrams for the most is continuing a great story arc from ray and sidelining Rose Tico. I was so worried I was going to have to deal with 20 minutes or a half an hour of Rose Tico. So I was kind of glad that he put her back to where a character like that, as Ryan Johnson said, Rose Tico is a character that's not a Star Wars character. And I, I totally wholeheartedly agree with that. And I like her to see more to be in the Wedge Antilles type of character that's on the sidelines. Maybe there'd be graphic novels about her, but I just don't find her very compelling in the film. So I'm glad that we didn't have to endure more of her and i'm glad we got a lot more of ray okay i was gonna say you know speak you know you mentioned finn and i totally agree with what you're saying uh, about him and i just kind of felt like they never knew what to do with him and even in this movie when they do give him the opportunity to kind of have like a, a character moment you know like you know when they're when they're going in the quicksand and he's like ray i just need to tell you, you know, and they never go back to that and my only thought process that yeah. in that is, is like, are they trying to set something up for future movies? I don't, you know, are they just trying to leave the story for the future? Because that seems like an obvious error that they don't really, they don't really resolve that. I mean, you know, they even. It did seem like, it did seem like they were giving him just a hint of some kind of a force thing. Yes, yeah. for sure. You know, he has that moment when he can tell that. Ray's in trouble. Yeah, they have a connection. And J.J. Abrams has confirmed that. So there's there's little bits like that that we didn't see with, say, Poe Dameron at all. Right. And then, of course, I mean, we saw him wielding a lightsaber a few times and stuff like that. But it's it's pretty subtle. I do think Poe got a pretty good story bit in uh, The Last Jedi. Yeah. Uh, Last Jedi made me like him. He seemed like the guy in Force Awakens... Well, exactly what we heard about, right? That was originally just going to die, right? He wasn't even supposed to come back until the actor said, well, I'll do it, but I don't just don't kill me. But in, in Last Jedi, he really had something to do. And I felt like Finn in Force Awakens had a pretty good story arc. Yeah, but Finn in Last Jedi, nothing. And both Poe and Finn in Rise of Skywalker, I mean, there's, there's zilch. They try to give yeah. Poe some kind of a, oh, he used to be a... I don't know, he used to be some kind of a, oh, a spice runner, right? But it's it's just why. It's, it seems very pointless, all that stuff. I like, uh, you know, talking about the characters and talking about trying to give him this backstory that I didn't think amounted to anything. I do like Carrie Russell. I like her performance. It's a little bit weird to only see her eyes, but it just, it, it like so much of the movie, it just comes off as all flesh and kind of no pan. But something that was said a minute ago that I wanted to bring up. One thing I really felt like walking out of this movie is that JJ went out of his way to pretty much undo everything that Ryan Johnson. So I'm thinking, I'm naming this partially because Brian, you just mentioned you were glad to see Rose not have anything to do here. Mm -hmm. It feels a little bit weird to me when, like, what's it? What's the Lord of the Rings guy's name? Oh, Dominic Monaghan. Right, Dominic Monaghan. Like, why is his character there? It's one of JJ's buddies. It's one of JJ's buddies. It's it's littered with this in, in all of his movies. JJ has. He's from Lost TV show. That's, right. that's kind of it's kind of thing that pulls you out of Star Wars now. Yeah. Is because you're just counting all of the bad robot cameos. And it yeah. Gets, he has and a lot of lines. Like, why did Rose have those lines? For example, that's something I was thinking about the second time I was yeah. watching it. But I really yeah. feel like he's kind of he's almost purposely just trying to undo everything that Ryan Johnson did. And wait, now maybe you think that's great, or maybe you think that's bad. But we can make a pretty lengthy list here on some more very surface levels stuff like. Uh, Rose, sure, um, but on oh oh, and um, let's say uh, Ray's origin. Ray's a Palpatine. Yeah, I really don't think when Ryan Johnson had um, uh, Kylo Ren say your parents were nobodies. Uh, I don't think that he meant for that to be to turn out to be untrue, right? But so so there's a lot of surfacey stuff. But I think in some much more fundamental ways. Uh, JJ effectively undoes some stuff that Ryan did purely by ignoring it. So we think about those last few, and believe me, if I was recutting Last Jedi, I would take out the Canto Bite stuff, and I would take out the Canto Bite stuff at the very, very end, you know, when the little kid, the little boy grabs that broom, right? Whether you like it or not, that seemed to be very purposely setting up a Star Wars universe 
where you don't have to have Skywalker blood to be a Jedi, like where any anybody could just be born with it or something. And that's a very, very, very different uh, Star Wars universe. And this movie just completely ignores that. It doesn't. It doesn't exactly actively undo it, but it really practically does because it just forgets. Says no. Nah. And I think the problem is it creates narrative whiplash. Like it's one thing, and it, I could, I could, I could understand that some people don't like the narrative choices in the Last Jedi, and there are some that I don't like. But you know, for the sec, for the for the sequel of the Last Jedi to then say, "Oh, we're not doing that. We're not doing this." You know, raise a Palpatine. Poe hasn't learned his lessons. It just, it just, it, it looks sloppy. Like that's the problem with it. Like I, maybe Ray should have been a Palpatine in the beginning, but that's not the setup that Abram that Johnson gave Abrams. And you know, just just like I don't, I haven't seen Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker back to back in a sitting. But I just I can't imagine ever doing that because the movies seem it, it seems like two directors at war with each other rather than rather than cooperating in a story. Not not knowing Ray's lineage is exciting because you have something to look forward to. And I think that was a great tease. But at the end of the day, Ray being a Palpatine or a Skywalker is is still just a retread of what's been done before. Like, oh, okay, oh, she had her she's the lineage, she's the ancestor, her ancestor was a was a someone who turned to the dark side. It's exactly what Luke had to yeah. do. So it's 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 kind of we we've, we've we've been there before and, and you know, I'm I I'm starting to feel a little bit like Okay, well, maybe Star Wars isn't as vast as I thought it was. Maybe, maybe it does have limitations, and those limitations are what made it so great, you know. And, I, and the reason why I bring that up is because Brian and I went to see a new Terminator movie this summer, which was like, oh, well, let's what happens? See what happens when you get James Cameron involved again. And it was kind of just like, well, you walk out of that Terminator movie going, well, maybe they, everything that was good that could be done with that set of characters and that scenario and that timeline has been done. And I'm, I'm starting to feel that way with Star Wars that maybe this whatever these game of thrones guys were going to do or what ryan johnson does separately that's completely unrelated to this may be a better way to go that way we're not hamstrung by well who's who's a relative of this are they an ancestor of this or do they have to go get this artifact from here you know it's it's, but don't you feel that ryan johnson was trying to open that up a little bit are are you saying that that star wars kind of like reasserted itself and said no this is what it has to be what what jj did with it when i say ryan johnson i appreciate what ryan johnson did a lot more now i do i do appreciate those choices and i say okay well that's fantastic that he you know he gave us what we thought was going to happen in act three in act two you know the the confrontation with snoke and the death of snoke and all that stuff and kylo ren kind of becoming semi-good and then going back bad again that all was stuff that i could have seen at the end of of uh, what I thought was episode nine. So yes, uh, I, I do think Ryan Johnson was trying to do that. And maybe I didn't give him enough credit at the time. And I think that all goes back to the fact that they, they didn't have a, a plan. They didn't have anything, what they were going to try and do. I mean, I, I appreciate what Ryan did because he was trying to do something different and trying to do something original in, in the formula that he was given. Whereas JJ, the two movies, two star Wars movies that JJ did. I mean, they're, that's pretty much formulaic from the previous Star Wars movies. I mean, to me, Force Awakens is just basically a remake of New Hope, almost down to the line. Yeah. And I um, mean, you know, in this last movie, it's it's pretty much just um, fan service, which is fine. I mean, it, and you know, and they got to the point where there, where else were they gonna go but try and give fan service, you know, all these, you know, bringing, you know, Harrison Ford back for that scene. You know, you had uh, um, Lando Calrissian, although I don't know if he had much to do with the movie, but he's in it. So you have all these fan service things in there that, you know, the fans can get excited about, but it doesn't really give you anywhere new to go. Yeah, you know, if, if not for The Mandalorian on TV, and if not for a few other projects under Disney, Disney, including Rogue One, which I think was is still the best of the Star Wars movies under Disney, I would be worried about the future of Star Wars, because seeing this trilogy, you know, it's like, is this the only epic story we can t- story we can tell? Um, like, I don't think Star Wars is that that limited. I think there's potential for growth, but you you need to you need to have a visionary. You need to have somebody with a story to tell. You know, like Lucas, with the as 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 you said with the prequels before, you know, Lucas had some. He wanted to tell a story. He had a he had something he wanted to say about the corruption of man. And the fall of democracy, 
like it or not, you know, I, I promise that the acting is CGI, etc. The story arc is great. Story he wanted to tell. Yeah, yeah the story and, arc is great. I have no problem with the story arc. It's just the yeah. the, the smaller details. Yeah, but like these, the, the you know these the the sequel trilogy just do, doesn't have that, and I think that's what you need. You need somebody with a story that they want to tell. I'm I'm a little bit uh, concerned that I that maybe it's not as easy to do Star Wars: The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi in the modern age as you could back then, because there's a lot more content out there. Uh, we had three years in between those movies. And those three years were filled. We, 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 half the movie is what our anticipation was in talking about what those movies were going to be. Now, and I remember the way I felt when I saw those things. And the closest thing you can feel to that now is when you're watching Avengers Endgame and, uh, and you see that last battle at the end. And what, the difference between Avengers Endgame and Rise of Skywalker is, is that when I watch Avengers Endgame, I'm looking at a whole bunch of characters on the screen at the same time. And I know so much about every one of those characters. I know so much detail about each one of them, not from reading anything, just from watching them on screen. And I've seen them go through their own arcs. And then when they come together, it's really powerful to see all that come together. And I think that Star Wars needs to do something similar. And I don't think it, I'm not suggesting that we do movies like Solo either. I'm just saying something needs to be done to create that same sort sort of feeling that when you get to the end, you're like, oh my God, I'm looking at Rey and Finn and Poe together and they're fighting these characters. And I'm, you know, Christopher Nolan always says that, that he puts so much into the films that by the end, you just want to see the villain and the hero talk. You just want to have that conversation between those two people. And I think Star Wars needs to be done in a way that it gets you so invested in the characters that by the time you get to the end of the third act of the third movie, you're just so ready to see these people face each other. It's it's built up to this time. You know, Ray and Ray and Kylo Ren have had like multiple fights. Each movie they have a fight. The third movie, you can't get me excited about seeing them go head to head. You just can't. So there needs to be a way to do this that sets it up like a chess game that gets you just super duper yeah. excited. And don't forget the first time that Poe and Rey met was at the end of The Last Jedi. And we've ne- we, like, we've never seen the main characters together doing anything until the beginning of this this third final movie. Mm-hmm. So Brian, I kind of you were mentioning the 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 end scene of Endgame. I guess the closest thing from this movie is when you hear all the Jedi's in um ray's head you know you hear liam neeson that's, yes. that's but i mean those, yeah, aren't, yeah. those aren't characters that were in these movies i mean those were characters that we got from the other the other trilogies yeah but that was kind of you know when you mentioned that i'm like that was kind of close to that moment that was like it yeah. was one time i caught a little bit of chills i'm like okay you hear liam neeson alec Guinness, yoda all the jedis that we've gotten for Hayden Christensen is in there too. And it got me so excited that when I when we got to the Force Ghost sequence at the end, I kind of expected to see all of those people cool. there. I, I really wanted to just not see Luke and Leia. I wanted to see Mr. Yeah, Windu like why not? For God's sakes, give me Hayden Christensen. <laughs> the second time I saw it, I was asking myself, why not? I can't think of a good reason why you wouldn't have more than those two. Because they're supposed to be all inside here. of her, right? I mean, yeah, you know, they're supposed to be all all a part of her. That's kind of how what they set up. We're all in in you. We're all with you. So my feeling is that there was a conversation. I I have a feeling there was a conversation about that, and the thing that ended it was whether or not you're going to put Hayden Christensen in or an older Anakin Skywalker uh, Sebastian from Shaw, Return of yeah. the Jedi. Sebastian Shaw. Well, I guess yeah. they would have had to go with Hayden because it's 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 Hayden now, and yeah. and the and that's in the in the Jedi cut now. It's just Hayden Christensen. If Ryan Johnson had directed it, I think you'd see Hayden at the end. But I know that that uh, that J.J. Abrams is just—he really hates the prequels. So uh, I have a feeling that he probably. We sh- we should talk briefly about uh, Leia and how how do you guys think that the character fared? Obviously, we all know that her performance was assembled from existing footage. Was it all from? Yeah, it must have all been from last from uh, Force Awakens, right? Yeah. Were those were those any of those deleted scenes actually provided, say, on the Force Awakens Blu-ray or something? I mean, do we have? Oh yes, yes. Yeah, so we, so yeah. you can go in and see where, where those lines were originally delivered and stuff. Yes, you can. Oh, well. So so how how did you guys feel about that? I mean, w- would there have been a better choice? Did it work? Um, I think it worked just because you know they set up the movie. The one of the cool things is you know you got to see Luke and Leia training. And you get to kind of realize that she did train as a Jedi and you get her, her saber. And so the one of the things that I, I, and I know a lot of people probably disagree with me, I really enjoyed um, Luke's death scene 
in um, Last Jedi. I, I thought it was appropriate. I thought it fit what um, the past prequels have done um, with Obi-Wan dying and Yoda. So it, it felt right. And so I think they kind of went down that same path with Leia where, you know, she just kind of disappears. And I kind of liked that it was her that had to to bring Kylo back to Ben. And um, so I, 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 I thought it was a, a good way to say goodbye to Leia. When I'm watching the Leia scenes in Rise of Skywalker, I know – and I'm, I'm listening to the dialogue and I'm hearing that she, what I hear is I hear a line of dialogue that Carrie Fisher recorded that they write a whole scene around so that they can write the right lines that would, that she can respond to and say this. And it doesn't really work so well in my opinion. Uh, and then there's the issue that you're taking her head and her body and replacing it and putting it on a, putting it in a new scenario. And it, it's, it, she doesn't look naturally there. I mean, it's certainly better than when you see a CG character, but it's still, I guess, I guess every time she was on screen, it was Weekend at Bernie's for me. That's what I. Yeah, her head looks a little pasted on, but I remember what I said to you, Brian, after we saw it the first time was, obviously you and I, you know, we're movie nuts and we work in the industry, blah, blah, blah. Obviously to us, it's like, yeah, it's not quite right. But to the average person, definitely to a little kid, no way they're going to notice. But I mean, just to the average moviegoer, I mean, is it, is it, it's, 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 I think it's probably good enough for them, right? Oh yeah. It's miles ahead of, it's way ahead of Jeff Bridges and Tron Legacy. Yeah. Yeah. Any day of the week. So I, and I'm, when I say that, I mean the young Jeff Bridges and Tron Legacy. So yes, it totally is effective. It works. And I have a feeling that if they even refine it further, it'll get better. But, uh, but the clunkiness of the dialogue. Would we all agree that we would prefer that they did what they did than she's just not in the movie? Yeah, I would. Hey, it was definitely better than The Irishman. I'll say that. I mean, look, you know, they, they made the best of a bad situation. You know, the, the actress died, and you know, I think recasting Leia would have been a horrible choice. I mean, I, I, I enjoy Solo, but Alden Ehrenreich just isn't Han Solo. Now, all that said, I did kind of feel like there were times when, you know, maybe they used Leia a bit too much, and they didn't need to. I and mean, this movie was already really stuffed with a lot of plot. And you didn't need a bunch of extra Leia scenes. Like there were a few Leia scenes where they obviously tried to work in a gag around one of her lines. And it's like, you just don't need it. Especially given that, like given the kind of uncanny valley of it, like you just, that's the type of stuff that I think they should have avoided. I think I just like Princess Leia in the field more than always at the base talking. You know, I think that's probably what I'd rather see. I'm not against the idea of putting her out there and having her out there doing something. Yeah, but even before she died, I mean, that's not what JJ did with her in Force Awakens. No. And I would rather have seen... I think, Brian, you, know, you said you didn't care for that totally CG thing where they're training the, the flashback-y shot. I, I mean, I like the idea The idea of... I mean, it, it's again, that was a very... It just the CG on, on and Hamill looked a little bit better than the CG on yeah, Princess Leia, but I was glad to, you know... That seemed to me like it was pulled from... It reminded me of like, oh, this is what Splinter of the Mind's Eye would have looked like as a movie, Yeah, you know? So I, I really enjoyed that aspect. Yeah, it, it looked to me... It reminded me of like extended universe novels, and I thought like, like either, either... The shot of either one of them could have been the cover of... <laughs> One of those things, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I actually would read that now if they came out with something like that, which I'm sure they will. Another thing I was thinking about with this, the, like the second time I watched it, I don't know why this popped in my head, but yeah, it's just another one of these things where that it really made me appreciate Last Jedi. So just a small little example. Remember the moment in Last Jedi, kind of near the end, after after Luke, at the end of the Luke and Leia scene when he's walking out, and it's the only he he and he looks over to three PO, and he gives him a wink. Mm-hmm. on his way out there's such a like it's such a like genuine moment and it it's such like whimsy i don't know it's so like that was the luke of these other movies and it was just it was just so like only somebody that's hyper aware of what's going on and genuine is putting that in the movie and there isn't i mean it's a little throwaway thing i know that but i was thinking how there isn't a single moment in rise of skywalker like that you know there's not a single moment where it feels that genuine and, and now you go back to the original movies that that's how they are start to finish for me um even the prequels I, I i feel that way but like rise of skywalker it it just 
it never has that wink. It never has. It, it, it's it's like even this just the pacing. The pacing is so just kind of off because it never ever stops. There's never a moment to breathe. It never slows down. Yeah, and it and it and it just ends up feeling shallow. You know, it feels like there's no lighthearted movements. It, it, it needed something like it needed something more genuine. You know, it needed something that was like that wink. You know, I don't mean that literally. I just mean I wanted to uh, I wanted to feel a little. A, a little fun here, and I, 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 I never did in this movie. Yeah, there's, there's no, there's no comedic moments. Yeah, so one character moment, not, not, a, not a comedic moment, but one character moment that almost really worked beautifully for me was when Han Solo reappears as a memory for Ben Solo, and it, just the whole reenacting the scene of the Force Awakens, which I thought was a, a great way of kind of getting Ben to get to the to, to get to the point of redemption and you know, reliving that decision and choosing a different way. The problem is though, like we, like we've been saying, the film doesn't take the time to breathe. Like I was looking back at that moment and it's like a few minutes after Leia dies and it's a few minutes before or around the same time as, as Ray goes to Octo where she sees Luke's force ghost. And so it's like within the span of like 10 minutes, we have Leia dying, Han coming back, Luke's Forest Gods, it's too much. Like, there's no time to breathe and, like, let Hans coming back be the moment that centers that part of the film. Yeah, and that's the only... Obviously, it's the only scene that, that Solo is in. Mm-hmm. But that next that scene with Luke, that's the only scene that Luke is in. It starts... It's it's the beginning of him in the movie and the end of him in the movie. I mean, other than the Forest Ghost second at the end looking at her. But his his that's his scene. That's yeah. Luke's scene. Which is fine, but it's just, like... It's it's so crowded. You don't get a chance to really absorb it and appreciate it. No, it's very fast. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's, yeah. Right, yeah. it's beat, 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 beat. Yeah. But what I would say, um, the friends that I saw it with, you know, they're one of my friend's observations when he came out of it. He's like, man, there's no, there was nothing comical in this movie. You know, like uh, there's usually some lighthearted moments or comical moments um, in each of the movies. I mean, the closest thing that we could think of that was kind of comical was when. Um, um, Poe and Finn are about to be killed. And he's like, oh, what, what were you going to say to her? And he's like, oh, it's not the time. And he's like, dude, we're about to get shot. Come on. What, what else are you going to do? Yeah, well, I was thinking about that. Uh, let's say, let, I'm just trying to find something similar to the to the Luke's wink in Last Jedi. Right. The moment in um, Force Awakens with uh, Rey, I bypassed the compressor, you know? And she's got, she, just, she can't say that line without the biggest smile on her face, you know? And that's a J.J. movie. I thought some of the C-3PO humor was funny, but... Nothing like my theater was was dead during this movie. Like maybe one or two people laughing at a few intended jokes, but like it was, there was no reaction for most of the movie. The only reactions the we got were well Thursday night that first show. I would say Solo showing up. I, there's some people clapped or something. Yeah, Wedge. Mm-hmm. When I saw it on Saturday morning. Not a peep for Wedge. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, that's how hardcore that is. Yeah, I, I, we, we, I thought I thought Babu Frick was funny. You know, the little guy who fixes C three PO. Yeah, I I thought he was funny. I'm not sure how they got off that planet, but you know, okay. Yeah. Um, how, how did you guys feel about three PO? I was, it almost felt that you know I can't tell you because it's against my programming. It felt a little bit forced. Like, Listen, it's it's Uh-oh, just like the Chewbacca tried. thing, right? They had this big setup for. Yeah. I'm taking one last look at my friends, and then five minutes later, yeah. he's fine. Yeah, I think that that this is one of those things where, where Michael Bay is shooting something. He goes, "Let's do it again slower because this shot's going to be in the trailer." <laughs> and I have a feeling when you're writing this script, they're like, "If we do this moment with C three PO, one last look at my friends, we can really sell this on the trailer." You know, because I thought he was going to die. You know, I thought that would be the end of C three PO. So I thought he was going to. He almost looked like he was going to be patched into the Falcon the way that that robot did in. Uh, in, in solo, you know, cause he's all wired into something and you think, Oh, is he going to transport his memory into something else? So, and then of course, just like with Chewie, it's, 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 uh, he's back again. And it's like nothing happened. So I hate to be so cynical, but the fact that they broadcast that scene of C3PO looking at, you know, that line looking at his friends, like they broadcast that so much in the trailers really rubbed me the wrong way. I think the whole, like the marketing for this movie really did it no favors. Cause like, I went into the movie knowing most of the big reveals. I knew Luke was going to come back. 
in some form or another as a force ghost or somehow. I knew Palpatine was coming back. You know, I knew about that scene with C-3PO. I didn't know the context, but it's like there was just, there was just so much that, would, that was broadcast through the marketing, not through leaks, like through the marketing, that I sat in the theater and I was waiting for something like we felt in Last Jedi where there's just something that I had no idea was coming, some surprise, some yeah. something. And when you guys brought like up the this, this snow, you know, just the whole thing, I think with Brian saying just how he gave us all the stuff that we weren't expecting in Last Jedi to happen in Last Jedi. Right. That moment, it still shocks me when uh, Snoke gets chopped in half. Yeah. And there is, I mean, honestly, there's really no moment in Force Awakens that has that level of of a surprise. Well, but hi. definitely there's no moment. I'm getting, I'm getting killed. Han, yeah, Han Solo getting killed was a little bit. Okay, maybe, but I, I even that I kind of felt coming. But, but okay, I'll give you that. But there's nothing. There's nothing in Rise of Skywalker. There's nothing in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. What's um in Watchmen the act the one guy with actual superpowers? Doctor Manhattan. Doctor Manhattan. Manhattan. Doctor Manhattan. You know, like Doctor Manhattan. You know, after after Osmondeus k- kills him yeah. and, and he's he's like, I'd forgotten what it feels like to be surprised or something. You know, and that's that's what I think about that moment with with Snoke uh, in Last Jedi. But that man, there's nothing. There's not a moment in Rise of Skywalker. What about Chewie? Nothing. Well, when Chewie, like I said earlier, the Chewie scene was one moment. Yeah, the Chewie scene, I would agree. That was one movement, but it doesn't last very long. It's only, you know. But it did, yeah, it didn't really. I don't think that, I don't think that counts when, when they didn't have the guts to do it. So, yeah, I mean, there are two characters, the 3PO and the Chewie character that they could have killed off. And I, I would have been sad, but I could have understood it, you know, somatically, you know, dramatically, you're trying to tell a story. Not everybody lives. It would have upset me, but I would have understood it in a in a, in a story arc form. Like you know, yeah. it's not always going to be happy. Not everybody's going to come out of this on the other end. I just think they caved both times. I'm like, you know, maybe the better choice would have been, you know, for fans and everything would be to, you know, you know, kill off C three C three PO, and they didn't do it. And same with Chewie. You know, and to be clear, I don't think you need to kill off characters to have drama, but faking out, doing a fake out for a death. It just feels cheap if you do it too many times. And they did it at least twice. Well, no, three times because we also have Ray's resurrection. No, four times because we have Ben getting stabbed with the lightsaber and coming back. <laughs> so there are at least four fake outs in this movie where we think a character is going to die and they come back. It's just too much. It, it feels cheap. Pretty quickly after yes. the fact, yeah. too. I'm very glad that uh, John Williams came back. I can't imagine anybody else doing it. I haven't had a chance yet to listen to his listen to the score by itself, but just from watching the movie, it didn't feel like we got anything new. I mean, it's not like what he did was effective, but no, it wasn't. I'll be honest. One of, so one of so in terms of the pacing of the movie and why it feels so frenetic, one of my one of my friends had an interesting observation, and I've only seen the movie once, so I want to go back and watch it again and with this in mind, which is that the soundtrack almost never stops in this movie. Yeah, the, the second time I watched it, yeah. you know what it reminded me of? And I don't mean this as an insult, but I, but I was thinking about like like uh, early 90s Warner Brothers cartoons, like Animaniacs yeah. and stuff like that. I'm yeah. like, God, there are so many freaking notes in this score. But I, th- I think it's the other way. I mean, I don't think it's like, I mean, I think that's what the movie was and Williams scored it that, scored it sure. for what it was. It didn't have yeah. any moments to slow down. So it's got well, a lot yeah. of notes. Like, you know, Abrams could have reined it in if he wanted to, but like, you know, go back to like, go back to the Empire Strikes Back and just listen to how little soundtrack you hear throughout the movie. Um, and you need those moments of silence. You need those moments of silence as downtime. To get more so power. So the music comes on. It, yeah, it has, it has meaning. Well, yeah, like, and unfortunately, like, John Williams has, is, John Williams is a legend. Like, he doesn't, like, he doesn't need any more, like, you know, he his reputation is solid, but I don't know. The music is a bit milk toast, in my opinion. It, it just it was recycling old themes. Well, I always reference the pod race and how the first more than half of the pod race in episode one does not have score. But when yeah. that score comes in, when it gets dramatic, and that yeah. part's starting to come off his 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 pod racer. Yeah. It's perfect and beautiful and so yeah. awesome. Well, I think it goes back to what you were saying. Yeah, you might be onto something. I'm not sure there was enough 
let it let it roll without music. I don't know. But yeah. maybe these scenes aren't good enough to stand up without music. I don't know. Dom, I think it goes back to what you were saying. You know, there's no slowdown in the movie for you to kind of catch your breath and, you know, breathe it in. And so I think that goes to the with the, the soundtrack. It just never ends. There's just there's just never a point. I, I totally agree with you. There's never a point where you can just breathe and, and take in that emotional moment. Well, one thing I was thinking about, I think this is one of the first things I said to Brian after the first time we saw it, but I really felt it the second time. Like I have to be very careful about how much I watch this movie. And that isn't true of the other eight Skywalker movies. I can pretty much watch any of those movies. Eh, I could probably, I could see how maybe I could watch too much force awakens, but I haven't yet. You know, I definitely the first six episodes, I got, I could just watch them any day of the week. They're the kind of, if I, if I was, I mean, I don't have like regular TV, but if I was ever flipping channels and one of them was on, I could watch it. Like, I can't imagine watching those movies too much. Rise of Skywalker, I'm going to have to be very careful because I think I think it could very easily wear out its welcome with me. And maybe that'll change. I don't know. But even the second time, which I watched it, and we watched it on Thursday night, and then I watched it the second time on Saturday morning. And as soon as it started, I was like, I do not feel like watching this right now. <laughs> That's not weird, really weird for me with a Star Wars movie. I mean, I, I saw like I saw each prequel at least five times on screen, hmm. you know? Yeah, just it all. I think it all just goes back to the fact that this, this this trilogy wasn't planned. So Abrams is fitting so much plot into this movie. It feels like an episode eight point five and an episode nine. And I have to. I'll be honest here. Like I, Last Jedi is my favorite of the sequels. I have a lot of respect for it. It's not my favorite Star Wars movie by any stretch of the imagination. But I do think, in retrospect, the ending of that movie didn't do episode nine any favors because it's it, like last Jedi seems like it completed a lot of the character arcs for Poe, Finn and Ray. And it's, it put the resistance. It basically made the resistance, the underdogs again. And that's, that's, it's kind of tough to go from there because what are you going to do? Like it's, you, 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 you can't, you can't have them that, that way. You can't, you yeah. can't do that. Right. I mean, you, you, you've already had the, you you you, you see you had the new republic the old republic which falls and then you've got okay well now we've got a bunch of guerrillas fighting against an empire yeah and then the empire loses and there's a new republic and that's what the story yes. should be about it should be about the new republic having this increasing threat coming from these guerrillas who are just kicking their asses and they're just unprepared for it right and that's what i think because I, I i don't i don't see that you go back to exactly what you were just saying that all of a sudden these guys are the underdogs the good guys are the underdogs again and there's a Guys who are dressed as stormtroopers with all this—I mean, which don't even get me started. I have no idea how the Emperor is able to have more star destroyers than I've ever seen in any Star Wars film ever, uh, with better weapons technology. And they've taken the power of the Death Star and put it inside one tiny weapon that fits underneath a, uh, a star destroyer. I mean, a lot of cash and a lot of resources and a lot of uh, human capital went into putting together. And it was. All done in secret. I cannot see, and it was all done in secret, away from everybody else, and uh, enough to just introduce. You know, the, the, let's face it: the, the when you talk about the the Emperor's introduction in in uh, Rise of Skywalker, you're not talking about the first time he showed up on screen. He's introduced in the opening crawl. Yeah, in the crawl. In the opening crawl. <laughs> you know, he's already there. He's already been, you know, sending out a signal or something. So. I and mean, who who sat in the writing room and was like. Yeah, we've got this 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 classic character returning, and instead of a dramatic introduction, we're gonna mention him in the in the opening crawl. It's like for the record, they did record that, and I think the original intention. I hopefully we'll see the scene or something, but we, we got the audio, we got the message. You know, they put it online. Yeah, we got it in in a marketing in a Fortnite, the video game. Well, but but I think that was an afterthought because they didn't use it. Yeah, you know, um, so I think the original intention was to introduce him in some more interesting way than but then they just stuck it in the crawl they just they just reason. didn't have time they should have done it like the way general zod's message was everywhere general zod's message for for superman or for man of steel was popping up remember they just you get a trailer that was nothing but that message you know yeah and it was pretty cool i would i wouldn't have minded seeing some work but it wouldn't have excused yeah. the laziness of this and i feel it necessary to mention on your star trek podcast that i find the best star trek film one of, at least one of the best Star Trek films to be Star Trek 2009. Is that what we're calling it now? The J.J. Abrams one, the first one? Yeah. 
I see none of uh, that. That movie is just pure gold and pure genius. And I, I wish that some of that had trickled into Star Wars. You know? Of course, he had no plan after that. He blew up Star Trek and then he was like, well, let's just piece it together from here on out. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing with Force Awakens. I'm going to blow it all up and then, um, oh, um, yeah. what do we do now? Yeah, but like Force Awakens, like so for like 2009 Star Trek and Force Awakens and even Into Darkness, I feel like are well-tuned roller coasters they're not my favorite movies they're not the most insightful or thoughtful movies but i think they move they feel i feel like they move at a good pace for action adventure movies like they're not overly convoluted whereas i kind of feel like rise of skywalker just has too much going on like it doesn't it's not paced well to to kind of slowly build up the tension and and like the big battle at the end didn't feel like a dramatic release or a catharsis because there's been so much going on already that's why I wonder if, and I know you said you think it won't work to go from to play them back to back, but this is why I wonder if maybe it works better in context with the other two movies. Because if this entire movie feels like what should be, the, you know, what we're used to in the last 30 minutes of a Star Wars movie, the big battle, everybody fighting, and this one has the pacing of that stretched out over two hours and 20 minutes, maybe if it actually plays as an act three in of three movies, maybe it'll play better. I, I mean, maybe not, you know, I'm never, it's, I know I, I watch more, do more movie binging and movie marathons than the average person, but I can't, I have a hard time imagining myself sitting down and watching Force Awakens, Last Jedi and, and Rise of Skywalker. I just can't even, I, right now I just, the thought of that, I'm like, forget it, no way. In a, unlike the other Star Wars movies that I could easily do that in a day. But maybe, maybe it plays better in that context, hopefully, I don't know. But I, I do kind of think this was probably the best that we could hope for, given all of these these issues that we've talked about. It and unfortunately, it does kind of feel like like he sat down with a checklist and said, "These are all the things we have to make sure that you know get taken care of." It ends up feeling like that. Maybe this is the best that we could hope for. Maybe this is the best ending that we could get. I I just I, I can't imagine starting with Force Awakens and Last Jedi and, and ending it better than they, than he did. I never walk away from a Star Wars movie thinking, you know, I should, I should really turn my hand to what would I do? What would I do? And when I, by the end I got to this movie, I was like, I should really sit down and write down what, what I found it a little bit inspiring to kind of go, okay, none of this has gone the way that I thought it should. And maybe there is no right answer because I, I, I'm, I don't know if you guys agree with, but I always feel like when I, at the end of Return of the Jedi, I've seen the end, you know, I feel pretty yeah. comfortable with that. The Empire is, 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 has been defeated and, and, and the goodness has been, you know, good has been you know, take, defeated evil and, and Luke Skywalker has chosen the path of good as opposed to evil and stuff. And, you know, it's, it just seems like, it seems very satisfying and I almost don't need, and even though I definitely always wanted an episode seven, I don't feel like you really need it. So. I do feel at the end of this, like, you know, if I, if I ever have the time when I'm retired, like when I'm an old man, I could see myself just sitting down and going, okay, what would I have done? So this is kind of another interesting question with the sequels, because, you know, as you said, Brian, like Return of the Jedi works as an ending, um, arguably better than The Rise of Skywalker does. Mm-hmm. Now, and I want to be able to be a bit clear. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've been being very negative on the films. Like I've enjoyed all of the sequel films. And both because of the films themselves, but also because like I've I've been able to connect with friends and family over Star Wars, and like it's been a good experience. But you know, having said that, like looking at you know putting our our thinking caps on our store our kind of cinema buff caps on, like what does the sequel trilogy add to the saga that wasn't already there? Like, you know, I, I think the big thing that gets at me is like the the ending to return of the jedi was essentially undone for the story to continue yeah i kind of feel like we got a very similar return of the jedi style ending with rise of skywalker like there's no there's no sense that oh well now that ray is going to found a new republic that's going to fare any better than the new republic that leia founded you know like what's different this time like why is this why is why is this the ending? Palpatine's dead. <laughs> hey, Palpatine was dead in nineteen eighty three. Nobody's really dead. When you when you look at when you look at each of these movies, the one thing that care that that consistently happens in all three movies is that the characters find themselves in the wreckage 
of the original movies, right? So, uh, so Ray's living in the wreckage of the Empire. Uh, at the end of, of the end of the Last Jedi, they end up somewhere at some old rebel base uh, that's abandoned. There's there's plenty of stuff that's happened in the wreckage of the Death Star here. And I have a feeling that if you were to, you know, someone better than me will write a story about how the writers are kind of in the same place. I mean, the writers are just like, we're dealing with the wreckage of what's happened before and we're muddling through it as opposed to kind of being inspired to do the next thing that just sort of, okay, that's done. Now what do we do with it? You know, but instead we're just sort of muddling in the wreckage. Well, I got to say for the first time, I'm kind of glad there's not going to be any more. We got like one more episode of the Mandalorian, I suppose, but I'm, I need a break from Star Wars. I watched a lot of Star Wars this year and watching Rise of the Sky or Rise of Skywalker made me feel like taking a break before the next movies is a good idea. We need some distance and when they do come out, whatever the next Star Wars movie is and I'm obviously we're going to get more, but when it does come out, you know, I think we just need something totally totally different. If there's any chance of I I I would rather that take a risk like Last Jedi and give something very different then feel like we're just rehashing again. I think I've had it. I think I've had that movie enough. So do you think we've seen the last of Ray and those characters or will they play more of a um, side role in any future films? Kind of like, like a pattern. <laughs> My guess is the next movies won't involve them, but then, but someday they'll, <laughs> when they're older, they'll bring them back and we'll get. When those actors have had enough of showing up to auditions and being typecast for being in star Wars, maybe Daisy Ridley ex- accepted they're going to find their way to Disney Plus. Well, Adam Driver's not going to have a problem getting other parts. Yes, Adam Driver is is Adam Driver is going to he, he'll be fine, but uh, the other actors, I think and I think the same thing with the guy that plays Poe Dameron. He's in a lot of good stuff, you know. But but my takeaway is always that oh, we're done with these movies, we're done with these movies and then the, you know, their career after 10 or 15 years of their career that's when they're, you know, who would have ever thought that you and McGregor would be playing Obi-Wan on the streaming service, you know, and that's what's going to happen. So I have a feeling that these guys are going to do the same thing eventually. So maybe well, that's I, kinda, so, I mean, I think it's also going to depend on the legacy of these films. Like the reason why we had sequel films 40, 30, 40 years later is because the original trilogy still resonated for many people of our generation. Like in 20 years, Disney might check, take stock and say, you know, are are the kids, the kids who grew up during the 2010s, are they looking fondly back at the sequel trilogy? Like, like you know, your son, like, you know, is, is he in 20 years saying like, oh, I wonder what happened to Ray? And if, if that's the case, maybe we'll see more stories. But yeah, you know, like, and I don't know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not of that generation. I'm not a kid today. So I don't really know how these movies are resonating with that generation. My sense is that Marvel is a bigger thing amongst kids today. But, you know, God, I don't know. Well, it's just the fact that that studios do not like to break new ground. They like to go back to familiar characters. So that means you could potentially see a TV show on 10 or 15 years on Disney Plus where Ray is training the next Skywalker or Palpatine, and you definitely have the rest of the crew back. So I, I have a feeling just the fact that, that studios are a little bit lazy and they rely on proven properties a lot more than they do on creating something new means that you'll probably see these characters again. I mean, I, I do not doubt it. She'll be training Baby Yoda. Oh, I would watch that. <laughs> you know, maybe, but like that's he'll be a toddler by that time, though. Star Wars can do original. Mandalorian is great. Yeah, man, I, I do enjoy Mandalorian, um, for sure. Mandalorian gets away with a lot that the movies couldn't get away with, but it's good. Rate these last three movies. I mean, it, it's I, I think we're probably all going to say the same thing, but Last Jedi would be number one, Force Regency number two, Rise of Skywalker be number three. Yeah, that sounds good. Probably. Yeah, that's that's the order that I would yeah. definitely place them in now. Well, like I said, it you know my two word review was good enough, and and I hope that I can grow to love it more. I certainly don't hate it. I just uh, it made me realize how much I how much I love some of the other movies. That's all. It's not Terminator Dark Fate or anything like that. I mean, it's not that Dark Fate is bad, but I mean, it's not it's nothing. It's not a bad movie. It's not a bad movie by any stretch. It's just that. You know, it's a high bar and a property that we all love. So, yeah, yeah. I think that's maybe the the worst part of this. It's it's that whatever you know, whatever faults we might, whatever faults might Lucas might have as a director, he was an auteur, and the the prequels were indie films, and we're in a new era now where where Star Wars is owned by a corporation. And like, I love Disney. Like, I I like, there's a lot that I love about Disney, but it is a corporation, 
And that's going to be a very different type of storytelling. So, like, other franchises have started, like, Marvel started under Disney. Like, you know, but I don't know. What does this mean for Star Wars going forward? Like, are we going to, are we ever going to get that, like, really, that indie movie director spirit again with this franchise? Or is it just going to be good enough? And that that does kind of scare Well, we're going to get it for just a few minutes uh, until she fires that person. And then brings back whoever the. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Dom, thank you so much for joining us. Can you uh, tell the folks where they can find you? I know you just put up you put up your review, right? Of uh, Skywalker. I did. I have a blog. It's called Nardy Views. Just my last name and then Views. I'm also working on. I'm I am a political scientist by day, and I'm co-editing a book about um, the Star Wars TV shows. We don't have a publication date yet. It probably won't be until 2021, but it might be something to look out for if you're interested. Awesome. That sounds really cool. Brian, let the folks know where they can find you and what you do. Well, um, I, own, I own the company Double Plus Good, which creates uh, film trailers for you know, motion pictures and television shows and do trailers and TV spots. And uh, you can find us at doublepluscood.com. And Mr. Adam, of course, you and I are going to be back. A couple of weeks, right? Yeah, in two or three weeks. I'm not sure. We might take an extra week off for the holidays. We'll figure that out. But we'll be back to do the next three episodes of Star Trek Voyager. We're, we're getting close to the end of season six, right? Yep. We're going to finish up Voyager by May or so. Yeehaw. So, uh, again, thank you so much to our guests, Brian and Dom. Uh, we were very lucky to have them. And thank you, listeners, for spending an hour with us. Uh, let's see. You can follow us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash Trek Companion. Our Twitter handle is at Trek Companion. And you can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. We're, again, so grateful that you spent this time with us. And we hope you're having a lovely holiday. And we'll be back soon. So until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. Have a Merry Christmas. May the forest be with you. This is the way. <laughs>